Since the beginning of time, civilizations have asked the questions. What is the human soul? How do we know it exists? Do we control our reality? Or are we actually living within a dream? What truly happens when we pass away? Join two of the world's leading experts in higher consciousness, and discover the truth about the soul, and the path to enlightenment. This is, The Living Soul. Hello and welcome to The Living Soul. I'm Kathy Gibson. I'm Dr. Mitchell Gibson. Hello everyone. And today we're going to talk about enlightenment. Most people, when they hear the word enlightenment, they think of the Buddha. They think of someone sitting on a mountain, starving, eating dry bread, eating, drinking dirty water. That's a very, I think, negative stereotype of enlightenment. It's more than that, deeper than that. Well, one thing we did when we first started uh, our company was we offered a course called uh, The Living Soul, which was basically a course that taught you to do certain practices and work on yourself so that by the end of the course, you would start with the beginning stages of enlightenment. Let's talk about enlightenment a little bit to give them a better understanding of what we think it is. Well, my first introduction to enlightenment was with a lady that I met in a dream. Her name was Indira Devi, and she was a very educated woman. She was the wife of the ambassador to England from India. Uh, very wealthy, very well-educated, beautiful woman who began to have visions when she was very young. She started working with a man by the name of uh, Dadaji, who was also a spiritual teacher in that, at that time. And she left her family. She left her husband to go live with him. She began having very, visions of a goddess. And in her vision, she would talk with the goddess. She would spend time with the goddess. And over time, she began to be able to do what we would classify as miracles mm -hmm. as a result of her connection with the goddess. She was famous for working in an ashram in a town called Pune, India. And in the ashram, they had no running water. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to connect the ashram's uh, pipe system that they had built to the city pipe system. Well, the city didn't want another ashram. There's another huge ashram there that is very famous. We won't talk about that. But in that ashram, the city said, we only have room for one big one. And so they thought if they cut off the water, they wouldn't be able to continue the ashram. They had to close down. So Ma, as they called her, went out into the, to the yard, walked around the yard and pointed to a spot. And she began to pray and sing. Within a few minutes, water gushed up out of the ground from that spot. Mm. And ever since then, this has been decades now, that's where they get their water. So because she performed this miracle, they were able to have a, a stream of water come up through a well without it being connected to the city. It's an artesian well that had not previously been mapped, and it's still running. Mm. 
She came, I met her in a dream. She came to me in a dream. I had never seen anybody be able to do that before. Mm -hmm. She came to me and said, come see me. It was Mm -hmm. in her flower garden. And I went to see her. The same garden I saw in the dream was a rose garden that was right around the front of the area. Mm -hmm. Many people believe that uh, enlightenment is only a term that's used by people in the eastern part of the world, and that's not necessarily true. And they have certain preconceptions as to what enlightenment is. They think that you have to be a, a Buddha or a monk, and that you have to give up worldly things just to become enlightened, and that's not necessarily true at all. And my experience with enlightenment and what really changed me was that the more I started doing certain practices and I saw that myself uh, changing the viewpoint or my perspective uh, toward reality and toward my community and towards life in general because I was changing on the inside. My consciousness had shifted and I began to see more beauty in the world when you're surrounded by chaos, there is still light that can shine through where you can see the world in a better perspective than I used to. And I I found that to be an amazing thing as I was a a Christian for many, many years. And and generally when someone's talking about something that's going on in the world, you get caught up in that anxiety and frustration about how people are being mistreated and used all over the world. Uh, And you find yourself in that that frenzy uh, that comes with watching news 24 hours a day. What I found was that when I cleared my mind, when I did my meditative practices and I started doing solar practices, that as I continued to do these practices, my perspective and my my view of the world and the view of myself changed. And I stopped trying to compartmentalize my uh, life and say that I only do these practices over here and then I have my life that I do as I work and then I have my life over here. I do my relationships with my family. Well, to be an enlightened being, you you have to be an enlightened being in all aspects of your life. And I think people get confused over, uh, I have to do certain things and no one has to know I'm doing it. That's not an enlightened perspective or a way of life that you should be as an enlightened person. Enlightenment is a state of consciousness where one begins to see reality in a much higher perspective. You leave the idea of consciousness being just simply survival. Mm -hmm. And you see the possibilities of life in higher dimensions, higher planes of reality. Science says that reality as we know it is composed of different levels of dimensional existence, Mm -hmm. that we have more than three or four dimensions of reality. And in enlightenment, you begin to see those dimensions as real places, as real potential places that you can live, places that you can understand, places that you can take part in. Your dreams change, Mm -hmm. your life change, your friends change, Mm -hmm. your desires change, your body changes, Mm -hmm. uh, your ability to understand reality changes. You change at the most fundamental level of who you are because Mm -hmm. of the process of enlightenment. And I think after we take a look at this video and take our break, we'll come back and we'll talk about the stages of enlightenment, what the stages do to the body, what they do to the mind, what they do to your life, and how they can be incorporated into one's everyday life. Probably we'll need two sessions for that, but Mm -hmm. it's something we can start with after we come back. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will come right back after we see this short video.
Enlightenment is a mysterious and mystical process, that has been occurring to people all over the world, for thousands of years. But, what is enlightenment? For most of us, enlightenment is a term that applies only to people that practice yoga, meditation, and tai chi. During these practices, the body changes, the mind awakens, and we become aware of higher levels of energy in existence. Is there a type of enlightenment that occurs during normal life, without esoteric practices? The doorway into higher awareness, opens during meditation and enlightenment. There is an actual light that becomes visible, that leads into higher domains. Mystics describes this light as leading into higher planes. These higher planes of reality, are worlds that exist beyond our normal consciousness. These higher planes of reality, open the consciousness to enlightenment. In Tibet, the rulers of the country are enlightened beings. They must prove that they existed before, and are part of a lineage. The light of consciousness connects all of these rulers over the centuries. In Christianity, Jesus is considered to be a highly evolved and blessed form of divinity, in which God became man. In his teachings, he points out that all of us have the potential to evolve. In Hinduism, many practitioners have become enlightened beings. The process of enlightenment takes many years, and beings who achieve it are celebrated as religious leaders, and holy men. Many of them move away from society, and live as one with nature. Enlightenment has several stages, and begins as a process in which one seeks to greatly expand consciousness. These stages involve movement and expansion of an energy within the nervous system, known as Kundalini. As this energy grows and expands, the four stages of enlightenment unfold within the body. The stages are not sequential, and are not under the control of the mind, or the body. In the first stage, the body gives off light, that is often visible to others. In the second stage, the need for food diminishes. In the third stage, the body may spontaneously float, and become lighter than air. In the fourth stage, the practitioner will become to spontaneously understand the hidden mysteries of the universe. In some cases, as enlightenment advances, the body itself may begin a transformation process, in which it changes completely into light. These individuals grow smaller and smaller, until the body transforms completely from matter to energy. Can anyone become enlightened?
that was a very interesting um, film that we just showed. And a lot of times when people think of enlightenment, they don't understand that there's different stages that one has to go through before they're considered a fully enlightened being. It's not a process that science has spent a lot of time studying, in part because it's not a Western phenomenon. In the West, we don't like to study phenomena unless they unless it depends or impacts our lives directly. It's something that is seen primarily in the East, where mm -hmm. people have been going through the processes of the stages of enlightenment for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the stages that a person would go through to become an enlightened being is called the aura. We all emit an aura, and sometimes it can be right around your body, and if you're a more evolved person, then it can take up many, many feet around you. And An aura being... a energy of light around your entire around life. your that's right and as an enlightened being you emit this light and a lot of times in pictures that we have taken people can see this light around us and that's something that a person who is really trying to become an enlightened being is that's something that they work towards once they achieve that particular uh, degree of uh, evolution then they would go on to the net, the other stages. And in the movie Little Buddha that starred Keanu Reeves, it showed at the moment of enlightenment where the energy goes from your lower dante and your lower groin area all the way up to your third eye. When that energy reached his third eye, mm -hmm. this ball of light just expanded around him. And when you see pictures of the Buddha post-enlightenment, you see this light over his head. Mm -hmm. And that actually literally happened according to history. Is that the light that you see in many of the Egyptian photos uh, that they have drawn and on the pyramids that you saw a ball of light around, around the, gods, the gods because many of the gods, not all of them, but many of the gods are also enlightened beings. Mm -hmm. Another uh, stage is called Anidia. And I know for a lot of us in the West, Anidia means that you don't need to, to eat, that you actually gain sustenance from the universe itself. And that sustains you. So you really don't have to eat. There's been many documentations of people who no longer eat. They just may drink a little bit of water. Uh, but there was one documentary that showed a guy who just ate maybe one leaf and a little bit of water. And he was able to sustain himself by taking in the energy of the universe itself. And so uh, we don't realize that we don't really have to eat. I think we just like to eat because we think we, if we don't eat, we're going to starve. And also, there's a, such a thing as partial anedia, where you don't stop eating altogether, but you just don't feel like you need to eat as much. Mm -hmm. you, you begin to eat less and less and less until eventually you begin to take in energy from the universe itself. Mm -hmm. So that instead of eating a normal two to 3,000 calorie diet a day, <laughs> you may be just fine with eating 500 to 1,000 calories and continue to gain weight, continue to feel healthy. And you just don't need to take in as much as you used to. And, and mm -hmm. I think, really, in reality, in the West, we eat too much. We do eat too much. You, we just, we, we come to a restaurant or at home, and we may put twice as much as what we need to eat on a plate. Mm -hmm. And we say that's normal. And when you're young, your mom says, you better clean your plate or you can't leave the table. Where we take that, you better clean your plate mentality with us, I think, in some ways, to the grave. Because we eat too much. And in enlightenment, you learn, you begin to learn that you only need so much. That's true. That's that true. you don't need as much as what you're putting on your plate, and then you can do more with less. There are other stages of enlightenment that we can talk about. We'll go and take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
we had just talked about two of the stages of outer enlightenment, and those were aura, and which is the light that's around a person, and also in media, where you take in the energy of the universe. But there's also two other stages. And remember, the light can be there even if people don't see it. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when we work with people, we work with people all over, over the world that have experienced enlightenment. Sometimes you can see it with the naked eye, but a lot of times you need a camera to see it. Mm -hmm. Because the human eye can only pick up a very small percentage of the light that exists. Mm -hmm. We can process less than 1% of the light that's around us, but a candle is going to pick up or a camera is going to pick up a lot more than we can see. Mm -hmm. So there's two other stages. One is called Logia. Logia is probably one of the most famous stages of enlightenment where a person begins to know things mm -hmm. that they, they haven't studied. Mm -hmm. Things that are just almost magically available to the mind. Mm -hmm. Scientists, when they started unraveling the uh, mysteries of DNA, they found that human DNA, one gram of DNA, contains more information that is on all of Instagram and Facebook. Mm. Human DNA has a phenomenal capacity to hold data. So that in the data molecule of human DNA, there's more information than we have ever learned. Mm -hmm. So in Logia, or Gnosis, it may be that we start to know some of the information that's inside of us that is normally blocked off, mm -hmm. that is normally not available to our, our consciousness. And the Buddha and many other enlightened beings start to understand this information process, and they start to tap into it and teach from it. So you're saying that all the knowledge that we ever need is already inside of us? I think that we already have much more knowledge than science. I think science in many ways uh, paralyzes us from looking inward. Mm -hmm. The inner experience, the process of introspection, the process of meditation is something that science doesn't really like to acknowledge or look at. Science mm -hmm. likes to almost idolize and worship the scientific method. Well, there's been a number of great scientists, great mathematicians, uh, Swamiji, uh, Ramanujan, for instance, never had training in mm -hmm. mathematics, mm -hmm. who never had any university training in mathematics, but began to communicate with a goddess. Mm -hmm. And the goddess taught him higher mathematics related to black holes and other phenomena in physics that were just not verified. Mm -hmm. And because he wasn't trained, scientists didn't want to listen to him. They didn't want to look at the fact that somebody could know mathematics of this degree out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And that sort of thing happens a lot that we have information, scientists, great teachers and philosophers just begin to know things because these things pop up out of the introspective core of their being, out of their soul. So the DNA, the, we have about 97% that's dormant. And so Most of our DNA, is, we, we don't dormant. use consciously. Right. right. So part of the gnosis is probably waking up a part or a percentage of the DNA that's dormant. Waking up how to use it. Mm -hmm. Another probably more controversial area of enlightenment is the body becomes lighter and begins to float spontaneously. Hmm. And when you, when you look at pictures of people doing this, first thing people want to say is, well, it was photoshopped or somebody made this up. But in China, in the 19, early 1990s, they did a research study and they showed that there were tens of thousands of people in China that could spontaneously levitate. Hmm. They could spontaneously tap into psychokinesis and telekinesis and telepathy. 
and that over time they verified tens of thousands of these cases. So that telepathy and levitation, uh, levitia, are things that are real, mm-hmm. not things that we just make up. These are things that actually exist. So you're saying people can just lift up off the ground out of nowhere? Yes, and that's right. No, no magic or anything's involved in that. They're just able to connect with that part of themselves you, you bring that up make a good them point. Exactly what is magic? Mm-hmm. What is the ability to manipulate reality? Which physics says now that's how reality is made. Reality, according to the best theories in physics that we have, is created by our consciousness. That nothing exists until we focus on it. Mm-hmm. And so if we focused on the ability to float and to levitate, and in sports, you see, especially in basketball, some guys going to the basket, they stay up too long in the air. <laughs> like Some of those Jordan. guys, like Jordan, Dr. J did a move once where he was behind the basket. He floated past the basket, put his arm up, and then put the basketball back into the basket over his head. Mm-hmm. Now, he was up in the air quite a long time doing that. When you look at it, it looks a whole lot like floating to me. Mm -hmm. And there was one very famous scene that Michael Jordan turned into a logo. He started at the top of the key, dribbled down, and then took off. At the free throw line. At the free throw line. Mm -hmm. And just kept going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then dropped the ball into the rim while he was above the rim. Yes, he did. That's a long way to jump. Mm Mm-hmm. For the world, it looked like the man was floating. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the video, it's like, wow, he's floating. Mm -hmm. That's why they call him air. It's not just something that happens in sports. It's something that we probably are able to do. Bob Beeman, when he broke the initial long jump record. 29 feet. When you look at that, that man was floating. He was floating. He was floating. He was floating. People aren't supposed to be able to jump 29 feet. Mm-hmm. Come on, now, that's a long way to jump. Mm-hmm. 20 feet's a long way to jump. Mm-hmm. You've jumped 22 feet before, but almost 30 feet? Come on. So these things exist. The process of enlightenment involves the body, energy coming into the body, consciousness elevating from the body, and the body and consciousness working together to participate in the energies of higher reality, higher dimensional consciousness, Higher existence. Mm -hmm. This could easily be a a two-part show. We do days of discussion on Mm -hmm. this in our seminars. Mm -hmm. If you want to find out more, go to our website. But thank you so much for joining us. And this has been our discussion of what is the soul and what is enlightenment. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week.